external and internal means of receiving guidance from the Lord, from, from the Lord's voice. So just to connect a few dots here as we prepare for doing that, uh, remember we started with the understanding God tells us his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways, but the good news in that is he said it's his delight to let us know his heart. We've been given the mind of Christ as God's spirit lives in us as Christians, as born-again believers, but we understand as well that we have a responsibility to turn our ear to him, and we have a responsibility to come under the hearing of his voice, and that is to come under the hearing that we would obey, that, that we would turn our ear, that we would obey what he says. Last week, we looked at the primary means that God is going to use to lead us throughout our lives, and that's through His Word and through the Spirit. And this week, as we talk about external and internal means, we're really talking now an extension of what it is to be led by the Spirit. So we'll get into a little more detail on how that works and and what that dynamic looks like. So... uh, One thing that we want to do on the front end of here that we want to build as the filter for all that we'll talk about in these next few minutes is this idea that nothing by way of guidance, instruction, no matter how spectacular, supernatural, mystical, whatever, nothing is ever to undermine or usurp the Word of God. Anytime we have anything that comes in, no matter how incredible uh, or awesome the encounter would be, it always has to map with God's Word. That sounds so simple, and it sounds like such a basic thing, but there are so many individuals, churches, and streams who have gotten into shipwreck because they've violated that very simple principle. If something goes crosswise with the Word of God, then, then we know that it's not something that's coming from God. Now, let's take a look in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. It says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and it gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, well, you shall not listen to the word of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Interesting, listen to what the word says here. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. So interesting, there will be times where things come down the road and it becomes a test of our heart. We're to be following God, not the stuff that God does. And as human beings, it can be pretty enamoring. It can be pretty spectacular and fascinating when God does. I mean, let's, let's face it. He is mystical. He is absolutely awesome. He is supernatural. And he does things that are spectacular. But we're to be loving him, not how he does what he does. Can you say amen? So This goes on to say in verse 4, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him. And that word fear, that's reverence him, right? To, To be in awe of him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way 
in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. So, so that's pretty sobering. That's pretty, uh, you, you know, sober, serious stuff that, the, you know, the penalty would be death for somebody who is moving somebody away from loving God with all their heart and leading them astray. So we'll look today now at the uh, internal and external means of hearing God, and there are a variety way of ways of communication that God will use, but we have to remember always that we're called to follow God and not the means. Follow God and not the means. So let's look at some of the external means of guidance that God will use. So, so as we look to some, uh, some of the, the things that the Word lets us know, let's say a few thoughts about signs and wonders— and about putting out a fleece. So let's just stop for a moment. How many know what we mean when we say put out a fleece? Just raise your hand if you understand what we're talking about there. You know, that's kind of like, all right, God, if you're in this, would you have me cross paths with so-and-so today? And I'll know when I see that person that that's you showing me that you really wanted this to happen or this not to happen. Have you ever done that? Wave at me if you've ever done that. Come on, most of us have, have had times where we've said, Lord, you, you know, I mean, and, and, and hey, I'll be the first to say we can get goofy with this sometimes, you know? Lord, let the special at my favorite restaurant be this today, and I'll know that this is you. And, you know, we could just, just kind of get a little off the wall with this stuff. Um, and, and you want to know what? I can also say that as I, I have, you know, grown spiritually, growing up spiritually, God has even met me where I was and answered me in some of those things when I put out a fleece. But here's what I want us to really glean and understand this morning. That's not the recommended path for the New Testament believer. As a matter of fact, if we let that be the means, then we're really, really in jeopardy of getting off track. In other words, God has other means where he really wants to make his, his will clear. Now, regarding signs and wonders, signs and wonders in and of themselves are not the definition or, or the exclamation, God is here. All they are is an ex exclamation. <laughs> Sorry, three services, a lot of yapping today. The, the exclamation that something supernatural is happening. Did you hear me on that? Amen? When a sign and a wonder happens, all it's saying is something is happening. We have to then discern whether it's coming from God or not. So 2 Thessalonians 2.9, this is talking about the end days, talking about the Antichrist. And it says, this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. Wow. Matthew 24, 24, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Now, it's sad because, you know, there are some out there who have seen these verses and they've said, well, you want to know what? We'll just dismiss signs and wonders altogether. We're, we'll just not give any room for them, and this way we'll never encounter false ones. But that's not what the Lord says in his word here. The, the word tells us the New Testament church is to be filled with the power of God that as the kingdom advances, signs will follow the believer. So signs and wonders will come from God. And how many know we need all the power, all the glory, all the anointing of God that he has to offer, especially in the dark days that we're living in? Can you say amen? So, so then if, if God does do signs and wonders, we need to realize, okay, God's warning us also the enemy will do signs and wonders, but I've got good news for us today. It's not complicated to know the difference between the two. So let's spell it out this way. Signs and wonders are signposts. 
signs and wonders, they point to something. It's look at it and let it be just that simple. If the signpost does not clearly say this way to Jesus, it's pointing away from Jesus then, and we want to stay away from it. It really becomes that simple. And also, we're told by Jesus, as I just mentioned, signs will follow believers. Believers aren't supposed to follow signs. Big difference in in, in the word order there, right? Signs follow believers, not believers following signs. So now going back to fleece, when we look at putting out a fleece, Lord, give me some kind of a sign and show me, you know, uh, if we're familiar with the Old Testament, Gideon will probably come to mind. Gideon put out the fleece. But here's the thing. We have to look at Gideon in context. Number one, this is the Old Testament. Number two, he is a second generation skeptic on does God still move among Israel? Does God still do miracles today? That's different than you and I. We are New Testament children of God that have His Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Big, big difference. We don't need to say, Lord, you know, show me this sign, show me this. We instead learn to be led by that inward witness, learn by the inward guidance. And yes, God does do external guidance as well. So let's now turn our attention to some of these external ways that God uh, sanctions and that God does. Number one, dreams, visions, and prophecy. Let's put that all in as, as kind of the first external means that we'll look at. Again, we could do many sermons talking about the detail on these things, but we're doing a little bit of a kind of a 30,000-foot view, you know, overlooking all of this here. But let's be clear, the New Testament validates dreams, vision, and prophecy. We are a church that recognizes that the, in, in this modern day, God's Holy Spirit is still being poured out, and we are still to be filled with the Spirit, and there are still all of these means that God uses to grow His church and advance His kingdom. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So these are all means that God will use uh, to give direction, external direction. Let's look at a second external means, and it's circumstances. So, God will work through circumstances, but again, let's be a little cautious here that we don't handle circumstances incorrectly and get out of sync with God's leading and God's will. The, the New Testament doesn't validate as divine guidance uh, circumstances. He doesn't validate that to be above other leadings from God circumstances are never to be the supreme guidance that we use in any situation. Can you say amen? So circumstances are, are valid and God will use them, but we have to use them in the proper context. So, so let, let's maybe unpack it a little bit this way. As born-again believers, when we, right, when we say yes to Jesus, come live in my heart, be Lord and Savior of my life, He comes, dwells on the inside. The Bible calls it the new birth. We become born again, and now God's Spirit literally abides on the inside of us here. So we have a recreated human spirit. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. But we do not have recreated sensory organs, right? Our smell, our sight, our hearing, all of that is part of, the Bible calls it the flesh. 
And that flesh needs to be crucified daily. Jesus says, take up your cross every day and follow me. So we're born again on the inside, and then we have to tell that flesh, submit to the lordship of Christ, to the will of God, to the leading of our spirit man, the, the, the real us on the inside. If, if, if there's anybody new here, like, wait a minute, what are you saying? I, sometimes I've heard it worded this way. What are we as human beings? We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, right? So there's three parts to what makes us a human being. What, when we become born again, the spirit becomes alive. That eternal part of us becomes alive to Christ. That flesh nature needs to be pinned to the cross. I follow Christ. I die to that flesh nature. And then the soul, that's the battleground. That's our mind, our will, our intellect, our emotions. And then we want that to be hooked up with the spirit man, not hooked up with our flesh nature. Right? So in understanding that, we realize then circumstances, well, we don't want to navigate circumstances with, uh, with faculties that haven't been sanctified and redeemed, with faculties that we're saying, Get in line every day. Get in line with the Word of God, with the will of God, with the heart of God. So um, this means that, hey, open doors aren't necessarily God's door. And closed doors are not necessarily saying that's not God's will. Now, there are times where that is true, but we can't let that be the beginning and end as we try to ask God, what is it that you're doing here? So, at the close of this message, I'm going to talk about three harbor lights that we can follow that will really help us navigate safe waters in our journey with God. Uh, one of those is uh, circumstances, one of those three harbor lights. I'll, I'll get to that in a few minutes, but here's the thing, uh, wrapping up with circumstances. Um, they're more a matter of timing than they are of direct guidance. We want circumstances to kind of look at God's timing, open doors, closed doors. How are our circumstances lining up with God's will uh, versus is it God's will? I hope that's clear. I hope that's not clear as mud. I hope that's crystal clear. Paul had a great attitude for us to look at when it comes to circumstances. It really illustrates this well. Philippians 4, verses 11 to 13. Paul says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to, to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And w w many of us are familiar with this verse 413 of Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So notice Paul says, when, when I'm in lack or when I'm in abundance, I'm content. But notice this is the same Paul that under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in other places says, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So how do we reconcile this with, with but you know, so Paul is saying he's totally cool in lack but then he also says, but God will always supply all of my needs. What Paul is saying here is my attitude is the timing will get in line, but I know God's will. Because he knows God supplies all of his needs, he can be content when the circumstance is putting on the squeeze. Can you say amen? You're in a circumstance and it doesn't look like you're going to make it, but God tells you in his word you're going to make it. You can be content walking that season through. We don't have to stress. We don't have to freak out. We don't have to be overwhelmed because ultimately God says, I got you. So we can be like Paul. All right, so I see the victory. 
well, in this situation, I don't physically see the victory, but I'm content either way because I know God says I win on the other side of it. That, that's the attitude we can have when we discern circumstances. If I see something against God's will, well, then I walk by faith, not by sight. But when it comes to the timing on when that moves out, I'm content because I know God's got it, and all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. So the third external means that we have uh, of guidance is what the Bible calls gifts or governments, depending on where we're looking in the Word. Um, this is a more common form that God will use, and, and this is, you know, we see in Ephesians chapter 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are all offices that God gives to people to walk in that are for the growing and the developing and the maturing of, of the body. So th- this is one of the chief ways that God will work in the New Testament externally in helping us and growing us. But we need to realize in context, God is working through human instruments. And we recognize that human beings are fallible, so the message always must be discerned. Whenever anybody's getting in a pulpit like this, uh, and whenever we're listening to a, a sermon on YouTube or a podcast or whatever, we always want to discern it through, what, what did we say earlier? Right, through the Word of God, right? Is, does, it, you know, does it match with the Word of God? And the message must conform to truth. It tells us this in Ephesians. When, when God gives these ministry offices... It must conform to truth, promote the unity of the faith, instill the knowledge of the Son of God, lead toward maturity and completeness of the body in Christ. These are all things that should be happening from that fivefold ministry as it happens. And and, and each has a different function and a different way of moving. But in all of it, it does tell us in Ephesians chapter 4, all should have one characteristic And it says this, instead, we will speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So let's look now at a fourth way that God will move. And just as working through that fivefold ministry is one of the more common external means, this one is a whole lot less common, and this is angelic visitation. So We're told that people, in in Hebrews, it tells us that people have entertained angels without even being aware of it. You know, sometimes people have had encounters with other people. Maybe it's doing kindness to a, a needy soul, you know, and it's been a little bit of a heart check. You know, do I go and love this person or do I inconvenience myself for them? And actually, hey, we may never find out till we get to heaven. Wow, that was an angel and I didn't even know it, you know. But the word also tells us that encountering an angel can be an awesome and discernible thing, you know, that they have an awesome and discernible presence. Interesting in the New Testament, the appearance of angels, it was always tied to uh, momentous things that God was doing. Right, the angel came for Zacharias and Elizabeth for the birth of John the Baptist. The angel came for Joseph and Mary for the birth of Jesus. Uh, Paul, who is a great persecutor of the church, he's he's Saul at the time. God changes his name to Paul, right? And and he's a great persecutor of the church. He becomes one of the key strategic champions of the birth of the church age. A writer of three quarters of the New Testament. And there's, there's angelic interaction there. How about um, Cornelius and Peter? 
Cornelius is a Gentile, devout, uh, very hungry for God. Peter, you know, one of the key apostles. And uh, God is in the process of revealing. How many know the very beginning of the New Testament church was all Jewish? Right? And God is in the process of revealing to them the next step of God's plan is not that Gentiles would become Jewish to become Christian, but that there was a mystery that was hidden in Christ, the one new man, Jew and Gentile in Christ becoming one new man. Not that you have to become Jewish to become Christian. This was all something that uh, the, the early church, particularly the apostles, they had to get their mind around. So again, a monumental shift that's about to happen that, that's laid out in Scripture. You see it go throughout the, you, you know, the, the plan uh, through the ages there. But let's go to Acts chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. This is Cornelius praying, and, and an angel appears to him. It says, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Right? So Cor- Cornelius is just crying out to God, and this angel comes and says, go find Peter. Listen to what Peter says. Do what he says. Okay, you know, I'll grab some men and I'll send them to go get him. Meanwhile, Peter is praying and he has a vision. And he said it's like this sheet comes down and he sees all these animals. And he hears this voice that says, rise and eat. But there's unclean animals for Jews to eat on this vision. And he says, no, I've never violated the law. I'm not going to eat something unclean. And the Lord says, uh, you know, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And he starts to show Peter, you're saying that the Gentiles need to become Jews in order to walk in what Christ has done. I'm telling you that's not the case. There's a new paradigm that's moving through here. So Acts in 10 verses 19 and 20, while Peter thought about this vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So again, a lot of times, you know, here's part of my point here. So God doesn't send an angel to entertain us, right? He doesn't send an angel because we're a little bored and we want something spectacular. Usually when there's an angel that comes, it's either a very, very big shift, uh, a very, very huge thing that's going on in God's economy, or it's something that we really have to brace for because it's going to be a challenge to walk through. So, so that, that's another means a little bit less uh, common, but definitely something that's New Testament uh, sanctioned and something that God says that he will do. I will say this one more thought. You know, there was, uh, I guess it was at the turn of the century into the 1900s, just before the 1900s, if, I, if I've got my timeline correct, where there was a man who saw a vision and uh, had an angel appear before him, but this wasn't from God. And part of the doctrine that came out of this man's encounter was not that Jesus was God, uh, but that Jesus became a God. And this whole angelic experience led him into a place where there was heresy and basically what we would say now is a cult because basic, core basic Christian doctrine, this entire movement had gotten off on and isn't following um, the the word of God. They, They violated the very first principle we spoke about. Right? Because, again, God makes it real clear for us. It says in Scripture, if an angel or anyone else comes and delivers a different gospel than the gospel I have given you, basically what it's saying, we can throw it out. 
We know that it doesn't come from the Father. What happened in this situation is, is, is the encounter was just spectacular and mystical and supernatural enough that he got off course, and unfortunately, a whole mess of people have gotten off course and gotten into error with that as well. So, okay, so we've talked about some of the primary external means that God will use. Let's spend the remainder of our time here talking about internal means uh, of what the Holy Spirit says. So, uh, I'm sorry, of what the New Testament says. So again, we know the Word, but let's talk about the, the, the inner working of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the inner witness. The inner witness. So Romans 8, 14 through 16 says, For many, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself here it is, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 1 John 5 verse 10 says, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. So when we talk about the witness, uh, you know, that kind of like that inner knowing, you know, it's, it's just like, how many have ever, have ever said that? Oh man, that just really bore witness with my spirit on the inside. You know, that's, if you're new, new to the faith, that might sound like what we call Christianese. You know, all that bears witness with my spirit. Some might be saying, I have no idea what you mean by that. This is what we mean, that, that there's, there's an inner knowing that, that is in agreement with God's spirit on the inside that helps us navigate and hear God's voice. All right, there's a second inner working, and it's the conscience. Now, the conscience, again, we have to be careful to not let our conscience rule in the process of discerning God. And here's why. The Word lets us know our conscience needs to be repurified even after we get born again, even after we get to know God, uh, Jesus as Lord and Savior. Conscience means with knowing. In, in the Latin or in the Greek, it means with witness. So it's similar, but conscience has to do with uh, right and wrong, whether something's cool with God or not. But here's the thing. I could have two people come up here and, and lay out a scenario that, that is wrong in God's eyes. One person could say, oh, absolutely, my conscience is telling me that would be wrong. There might be another person who's saying, you know what? I have no violation of my conscience whatsoever. I, I, I see no problem with that. The problem is we have a whole bunch of Christians across our land, around our world, whose conscience has not been repurified and retuned with the will and voice of God. And they're being directed by their conscience. Hey, if I can sleep at night, then it must be okay. Well, hey, not necessarily. God tells us, right, in Romans that, that people, as, as they, they harden their heart to the voice of God, that God will eventually turn somebody over to a reprobate mind, which means a mind void of judgment, unable to discern. You know, so again, the remedy for that is we live close to the Lord, we stay in His Word, we worship, we keep our hearts humble and soft, and then we'll know the voice of God to where our conscience is sensitive to Him. All right, the remaining inner means of guidance is more really uh, what I would say has the final say. I'd say this is, you know, we've got the witness of the Spirit, but we have what we call the peace of God. So we talked about the inward witness, the conscience, and the peace of God. Right, it says in Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. And it says, and be thankful. 
you know, staying thankful does help us keep on track with the Lord. It keeps us from getting sour and, you know, keeps our mind in, in, in a good frame. So let the peace of God rule in your heart. The Amplified Version gives this picture. Let the peace of God be the final umpire in our decision-making process, the, the final umpire in our lives. Okay, so as we start to, you know, look at this peace of God, it lets us know whether something is a fair ball or a foul ball. In other words, we could look and say, hey, there could be something that's absolutely wonderful. Maybe somebody comes up to you and says, hey, uh, I would like to offer you the opportunity to serve in this ministry. You know, again, we, we might look and say, hey, circumstance, that's an open door. I must walk through it because a door was open before me. That must be God. Well, hey, not necessarily. What is the peace of God saying? Have you ever had that thing looks so good? Maybe it's a job offer, more money, better opportunity, better perks, but why don't I have a peace? Hold on. Okay, there's a door that's open before me, but what's got a trump, whether or not I, I, I allow that to speak to me, that open door, is whether or not I can get peace about this. You know, so, so sometimes maybe we have to wait and say, all right, let me wait until I get a peace factor. But if we can't get peace, then surely knowing we have that inward witness, God living on the inside, then, it, then, it, then it's a, a wise thing to say, because I don't have that inward peace, I'm going to hold off on doing this. I'm going to wait on doing this. Sometimes God will make clear why. Sometimes he won't. The very first time I discerned the peace of God in my life, it was the summer of my sophomore year in college. I had just surrendered my life to the Lord. Man, I just wanted to live for him and please him. And you want to know what? My last two years at college, they were dismal. I mean, I was making a mess of my life, and now I'm living for God. And I was so excited to go back to school and get my grades up. And I had an idea and a career path that I wanted to follow, but this is, I, I couldn't get peace. And I couldn't understand why I couldn't get peace. So, hey, just like any kid would say to his parent, and the parent says no, and we say, Why? Why can't I go? Why can't I do that? Come on, parents, wave at me if you've ever had your kids say, but why? But why? You know, well, God didn't answer why right away. He wanted me to trust the leading of his spirit, and there was no peace. And so I had to take the step of saying, I got to trust that God knows what he's doing, but one thing is for sure, I can't find peace by going back up to school. Well, as it turns out, God did show me down the road for sure one of the things, and I was going to be moving off campus, and, and I didn't know at the time, I was going to move in with a bunch of, a bunch of guys uh, that were doing drugs, not, not just doing drugs, but some hardcore drugs, and they were going to be dealing out of the house. Here I am, a brand new believer, you know, wanting to live for God, and I've got all this, this mess going on under my roof, you know? Not only that, but I didn't realize God was in the process of showing me, I've got a vocational ministry calling for you, and you can't walk that path out up there, you know? So I just needed for God to, to just, you know, lay it out. There's other things where I've said why God still hasn't answered, but I know that I can trust the leading of His Spirit. Can you say Amen. Let me wrap up with this. We're going to close with this. I talked about the three harbor lights. So if you're not familiar with this picture, when a ship, uh, especially, you know, in olden days, I don't know what it is nowadays. You know, I'm sure there's other technological things they use. But in olden days, they would follow the three harbor lights. There were three different lights that were lit. And as the ship was coming in for sea, those three lights would have to line up and look like one single light. And they knew that if they were following that course of the harbor lights, they wouldn't cross 
crash the ship on the rocks around them. If they saw more than one light, they were really, really taking a chance because those lights weren't in alignment. So here are the three harbor lights that we can follow. Kind of taking away everything we looked at here today, the main daily things for us to walk out in following the voice of God, the other things will layer on top of these, okay? These are the three. The Word, right? We've already hit that in detail. The peace of God. Of all the internal means, it's the peace of God that we want to make sure, you know, it says let the peace of God rule in our hearts. And then third, remember I talked about this earlier, circumstances. Now, when we have the Word of God and the peace of God, the circumstances may have to line up, but then we hold up and we wait for God's timing. Sometimes it's His will, but it's not His time. I've made a mess of that. I've gotten behind God and tried to push. Anybody else beside me, raise your hand if you've done that. How many would also raise your hand and say, it doesn't work very good doing it that way, right? And I, I've learned, no, I got to let him bring the timing into alignment. But if we'll follow that, that path, these are all scriptural things, then we'll stay uh, on a course where we're not going to get shipwrecked in the process of hearing God's voice. So again, God's word is going to give us a lot, but then all of those things that are maybe more about, you know, uh, friendships, relationships, romance, jobs, moving, staying, retiring, when, all of these things. Now we look at the internal means and the leading of God. We use the principles of the word and then we use this inner leading and how does God line up the circumstances moving forward. So hey, we're, we're wrapping up with that. I'd like to just pray for us. I'd like to pray a similar prayer that we prayed last week that we would have ears open to hear him, that we would have a, uh, a hunger for God's word, uh, and that we would learn to discern his voice on the inside. So, so let's pray that. Father, as we close this service today, we are so grateful that you've chosen to take up residence on the inside when we make Jesus Lord and Savior of our lives. God, we pray, let us have ears to hear you. Lord, we're, we're saying that we're purposing to incline our ear to hear you. And we pray, God, let there be a fresh hunger and pursuit of your word in our lives. May we be people that fill up on your word. Lord, that we would meditate on it, that we would hunger to know it, that we would work it out into our lives. And Lord, we continue to ask in these days to come, Tune us in to the leading of your spirit, to the voice of your spirit, the inward witness. Lord, let our consciences afresh and anew be cleansed and pure today. And thank you, Lord, for the peace that passes understanding. Let it be what guards our lives. Let it be what reigns in our heart by your spirit. So, Father, we thank you for all of this. We're committing this all in your hands. And, Lord, we're believing you again in the days and weeks and months to come. Let lasting things happen in our lives that we would be people that know your voice and are led by your voice all of our days. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.